What's up, friends? It's Haley, aka Bird, and you are tuning in to the Give Them the Bird podcast. This podcast is all about challenging what it means to be healthy and fit. It's about celebrating sustainable behavior change and non-scale victories. And most importantly, it's about giving the bird to the diet industry and societal expectations of body size. Why? Well, because at the end of the day, you have an entire life to live that does not require your body look a certain way. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's give them the bird. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Give Them the Bird. My name is Haley, aka Bird. I'm a certified intuitive eating counselor and weight neutral coach. And on today's episode, we're going to be hearing from stress coach Maddie Snow. A little more about Maddie. She's a previous healthcare professional turned stress coach who's committed to empowering people to live with their stress by partnering with their brains. She wants more people to thrive in their lives and work in sustainable ways rather than living in fear of stress and burnout cycles. Currently, she works with clients in her one-on-one eight-week program to give them the tools and space to create a relationship with stress, work, and life that makes sense for them. She also, since recording this episode on GTB, has started her very own podcast called the Own Your Stress Podcast. So while we don't talk about it on this episode, be sure to check it out as the link will be in the show notes. So we take a deep dive into stress on this one, you all. We start by looking at the difference between positive stress, yes, I did say positive, and negative stress, and how stress has really changed over the years, taking more of an evolutionary perspective here. Maddie then shares some of the pitfalls of how we traditionally think about and treat stress, and she offers tangible tips and actions that we can do to own our stress, which I love that phrase, own your stress. Maddie also talks about having bipolar disorder and how we can reframe the way that we view stress and mental health in general, and then we round out the episode by covering burnout, what it is and what we can do about it, and I know that a lot of you listening are likely experiencing burnout or a lot of stress right now. This episode really did leave me feeling a bit mind-blown, and I share that with Maddie um, in the interview. At the time that we recorded this, I was feeling very stressed, and The perspective that Maddie offers is such a shift for me that it led me to feeling even just 1% better. I really respect Maddie's approach and I'm so appreciative of her time. So I'm super excited to share this one with you. But before we dive in, I just want to remind you that you can show us some love over on iTunes or Spotify by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. If you happen to be joining us from YouTube, feel free to like and subscribe. Okay, now let's get into this one. Enjoy my conversation with stress coach, Maddie Snow. Hello, Maddie. Hello, Haley. This is fantastic. And I really appreciate you having me on, especially because stress is everywhere. No one understands what it is. So I thoroughly appreciate being here. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm so excited to have you on. When I came across your page, I don't remember how I came across it. Like if I was actively seeking out like stress information or what, but I knew right away that I wanted to connect with you because your approach is different than what I've seen in like other stress management conversations, which I know we're going to get into. So I'm very, very pumped to connect with you. Um, Before we dive in though, tell, tell listeners a little bit more about who you are. Sure. Um, I am Maddie Snow, a stress coach. Now Um, I'm a former healthcare professional. So up until November of 2020, I was a pathologist assistant. Um, I'd worked in hospice oncology before that, but for about seven years, I worked in pathology, which is the field where we get all of the surgical specimens that come out of or off of anybody. And, um, you know, we can get a limb for, from like a diabetic amputation or from cancer, limbs, you know, can get cancer or any internal organs, all of that. So my job was to um, dissect and help diagnose the disease processes that are going on and then help determine treatment for the patient um, and work with a pathologist and clinicians on that too. So yes, yes, it was super interesting. Um, I was also certified in doing autopsies and did those pretty Mm -hmm. often. Um, I grew up loving, like in college, I watched Bones, Mm. CSI was like, you know, and like, and so after college, when I went into um, trying to figure out what area of medicine to go into, that one was like really interesting to me, along with psychology. Mm. 
And so I went with the hard science route first. Um, and then about four, three or four years into pathology, I massively burnt out. Mm. And because of just how I am, my natural response to stress is I really like to learn. I like to read. I like to educate myself. And I love mm. psychology. So I started looking into the psychology of stress on my lunch breaks mm. and slowly started building up um, education on that and taking different classes. And I took, you know, the positive psychology certification from University of Pennsylvania on my wow. lunch, lunch break. <laughs> like, it's like... <laughs> Because it was just, it was interesting. And I also got really hooked on how many things we were doing wrong unintentionally. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. And especially as I was seeing in medicine, all of my like incredibly perfectionist, high achieving friends and coworkers, and we're grinding ourselves into the ground and we're not exactly sure why. Mm -hmm. And so as I started building that, I started falling I came back from burnout in my career, but then started falling in love with coaching and mm. stress and the psych. I already knew the physiology of stress. And then when I compare that with how your brain directs the physiology, it was like, oh my God, this is too cool. <laughs> yeah, like, and so um, in November of 2020, I took the leap and I'm now um, a health coach for a company full-time. And then I also have my one-on-one -on -one stress coaching program. Oh, nice. I didn't know that you did the health coaching as well. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 I, I love the fact that like, that was kind of like a stepwise process rather than mm -hmm. jumping straight out of medicine. Mm -hmm. But it's been amazing to be able to keep up coaching constantly in like, and relating those habits to stress mm. because it's all just so I'm a certified nutrition and nutrition coach too. I did that in in and amongst everything just because yeah. of the learning aspect of yeah. it. So, so, and our like heads are, you know, attached to our bodies. So what we're doing with our bodies directly affects our brains and vice versa. Mm. I'm curious how it was going from like in pathology, kind of the, the treatment or like reactive side of things. And then now doing health coaching and stress coaching, which I think of as being maybe a little bit more preventative. I guess it depends on like who you work with, you know, if you're working with, you know, patients who have chronic health conditions or whatever, but I'm curious, like, how, how was that process for you? What is it like now working with people compared to when you were working with them before? Um, for me, it is, it's so much more rewarding mm -hmm. because in pathology, you're seeing purely the, the end stage of the disease process. Wow. So you're not even just seeing like the patient when they're being treated by a clinician, you're seeing something um, has gotten to as gotten so bad that we ne now need surgery. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so you don't get the same um, in traditional med medical roles that are clinician based where you see patients on a regular basis you have those good cases mm -hmm. and then you have like the bad cases. And so you can lean into those good cases where you had a really good outcome. And when we get cases, it's always like the worst possible outcome kind of. Mm, yeah. And so seeing that eight hours a day, that was a huge drain on like on me specifically. Um, and I know throughout pathology, it's a pretty tough field to be positive in mm. um, and kind of hold on to hope when all you're seeing yeah. is. Um, and then for me specifically, because I've also worked in, before I worked in pathology, I also worked in community mental health. Mm. It was incredibly difficult to see the cases where I know someone wasn't served the way that they should have been. Mm. And now we have a bad outcome. Yeah. And when you can see the history and you can see all of that, and of course, like this case got really bad because there was no health insurance involved mm -hmm. or because by the time health insurance would approve it, it had to be amputated mm -hmm. or it was this huge. So, or someone's lives in a rural environment, they can't get to a hospital as frequently as they would need to for this. Mm -hmm. So um, that just every, every one of those cases was just kind of chipping away at my soul. Yeah. When you so, mentioned like the, the hope piece, that's exactly what I was thinking about as you were talking about it. Like you don't even, 
you were in a position, it sounds like, where you didn't even have the opportunity to like intervene or, you know, it was like you were the the end of it all. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine that could lead to, you know, burnout and some of those other things that you experience, which I'm, I'm excited to dive in with you today, maybe. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, in a little bit. So let's talk more about stress. I feel like everybody knows about it. We all like, how can you not know about stress at this point in the world? <laughs> you know, like everyone's <laughs> experiencing it. Anyone who says they're not stressed, I'm like, are you, are you alien? Like, I just don't really understand. Um, but I'm curious if you can kind of walk us through the ways in which stress can impact our life, both the positive, because there is like a positive side of stress, which I think is, I love that you actually speak about that on your page instead of just like demonizing stress over and mm -hmm. over again. Um, but then also what people commonly associate with stress, like the negative, the negative things as well. Sure. Um, so stress as a process is fascinating. And part of it is the fact that it's supposed to happen. The same way we get hungry and we're supposed to respond to hunger, stress is supposed, is supposed to like work through our bodies. And when we are exposed to stress in ways that make us feel like we are challenged and we are growing, those contribute to having, um, they increase our memory, we have actually stronger cardiovascular systems when we're regularly exposed to stress. Um, our immune system is better. Overall, we're healthier long-term when we have these like short bursts of um, what people kind of describe as like stepping outside the box, mm -hmm. you know, like pushing like your comfort zone and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, the exact same process almost can be negative for a couple different reasons, but the primary reasons are when there's chronic stress that just isn't dealt with and lingers, our stress hormones aren't meant to hang out in our body forever. So because they can't keep us in this super urgent place that is like escaping a tiger or something, um, the stress hormones shift and we're not designed to hold on to those long-term. And so that's when we start getting negative cardiovascular effects and we actually have negative memory effects and we start getting um, kind of symptoms of burnout where we're hungry all the time. We want carbs constantly. Like there's, there's, we're exhausted, but we can't really sleep properly. Mm -hmm. And all of those things kind of culminate from this chronic stress that's, that's heavy on us because it hasn't been necessarily dealt with. Mm -hmm. And then the other component is seeing stressful situations or difficult situations as things that are completely outside of our control. And when we, when they've looked at the stress response, there is one response where you are meeting a challenge and that releases different stress hormones. That releases positive stress hormones. And the other response is when you are threatened or you're trying to escape. So that's like the traditional fight or flight, what we talk about, like when we talk about stress and that's negative stress hormones that are released. And those actually have the exact same, they affect the same parts of our body in the exact opposite way as the mm. positive stress does, which is, and because stress is all like our, our heart rate is up usually, you know, we're either, are we excited? Are we scared? Are we anxious? Like these are all the same kind of functionality. It's really difficult to tease that apart. Mm -hmm. And I picked a really like interesting <laughs> field to study because yeah. it's tough. <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting that I never thought about how like the symptoms of, or not, maybe not symptoms, I'm trying to think of the better word, but like the positive consequences of positive mm -hmm. stress, you know, like the enhanced memory and all mm -hmm. of that. It's so interesting that the exact, it's the exact opposite for negative, you know, like for the not so positive stress. Right, right. I never even thought about that before. And I didn't even know that a, like some stress, like those short bursts of it could impact memory. And what were, what were some of the other things that you said? Our immune system, our cardiovascular system. Um, um, with the negative stress, it's, it's interesting. You can have someone who's on a similar diet and with negative stress, you'll end up with more cardiovascular disease than you would if you were in positive stress more consistently Whoa. because it, it flushes our brain, it flushes our body. It like gets everything, everything vasodilates. 
-hmm. and you have this whole response that we are meant to go through every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just when we get traditionally, we had stressors. And when I say traditionally, I mean like 10,000 years ago, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, back Back in the 1800s. Traditionally, um, no, I know you mean. our brains really haven't changed for the last 10,000 years. Mm-hmm. And so they operate very similarly. And what used to happen was we had, we saw a tiger, we have this huge stress response. We get tons of like glucose availability and, you know, we're flooded with adrenaline and we run and we either escape and then we're celebrating with our tribes people afterwards. And the stress response knows that's it's closed. This is mm-hmm. it. The loop is done or we're dead and still stress loop done. Yeah. <laughs> but but today we're like dragging emails into the evening and now mm. we've got this going on and now we're stressing. And so there is not, it's we're our baseline is never zero, which is fine. But when your baseline is 100 and you're constantly, you don't have the same capacity to keep adding more stress on. Mm. And the pandemic has been, a huge stressor, a multitude of stressors, but none of us were effectively managing stress to begin with. Mm. And so on, when we encounter stressors during the pandemic, they were put onto already stressed people Mm. who couldn't navigate stress effectively. And so essentially like we're seeing with every system that we have, everything's imploding because everything was hanging by a sad little thread. Mm -hmm. And that's the same kind of thing with stress. Like we didn't have adequate understanding or education on what stress is. We, um, when we're younger, like we're kind of taught that everything uncomfortable is bad. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's granted, that's what our parents learned. And for a long time, there was a huge bundle of literature that said stress is bad and you should avoid stress and you should try to get rid of it if you just don't have it. And then they found that telling people that actually had negative health effects. I was going to say, I feel like that increases my stress. Like shit, I'm stressed about stress. (laughs) Yeah. And so in the last probably 10 or 15 years, they've really found that how much it can dramatically increase um, rates of mortality to tell people that their stress is killing them. Wow. That is just like, cause that's what people say. That's what mm-hmm. we hear that mm-hmm. like, you need to get rid of your, like Zen, you need to get rid of your stress. Whoa. And that can negatively impact our lives. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And part of it is also because so much of our stress response has to do with how much control we have in a situation. Mm-hmm. And so if someone isn't telling you what stress is, isn't telling you how to get rid of it, but then tells you at your yearly appointment that you've got a lot of it and it's going to kill you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is so, that is so freaking interesting. And I can see, I can absolutely see how, like I think about in regards to like my work and like a non-diet weight neutral approach, even like telling people that you need to lose weight, that's not a good motivator. Like it doesn't, you know, that sort of thing, nor should, typically that even be the approach that a lot of people take, but like telling someone, oh, you just need to lose weight. It's not like it's going to help them or you just need to eat healthier. Like, you know, you just need to get more active. It's exactly like what you said. It's not really putting the ball in their court. We have to kind of show them how and help them to understand the process, not just tell them. Um, So this is like, that's just very interesting to me. Um, And I think, like I had mentioned, your approach to stress is this it's different than what what we really talk about um and i think that you really hit on that by thinking you know traditional routes this is what we say just you know take a deep breath your stress will go away etc um and what you're really saying is no we need to work to understand it and to so do you feel like gain a sense of control over the stress or kind of how do you how do you talk about that sure i what the way i try to foster any kind of stress education is to really bring awareness Mm -hmm. to what you are feeling in the moments throughout the day, rather than waiting until you want to scream at somebody and understanding that we start with this bucket at the beginning of the day. And it's got a little bit of chronic stress in it from, you know, a couple days before. 
and we carry it through the day and into it go both physical and emotional stressors. They both mm -hmm. go in the same bucket. So if you haven't eaten in a while, if you haven't slept well, um, if you're overworking, those things all go in your bucket along with societal expectations. The doctor that told you you need to lose weight or the mm -hmm. practitioner who told you you need to lose weight but you're not exactly sure how. And you usually turn to chocolate because it feels a little bit better and you, you hate feeling bad because we've been told that feeling bad is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So do what makes you feel good and this makes you feel good in the moment. And so all of that and then the shame and the shooting around that, wow. that all contributes to the bucket. And then at the end of the day, we tradition, like we just, the way our brains work is they use energy all day long. Thinking is a really high energy cost. Um, our brains use about 25% of our caloric intake every day. Yeah. 25%. What? Yeah. Oh my gosh, you are blowing my mind right now. <gasps> Which is wow. why you feel foggy when you haven't had carbs in a while. Right. When you start feeling like sluggish and sticky and you think like, I need a coffee. You might need a Rice Krispie treat. Yeah. <laughs> or like that's my go-to is like and and like and water is a big one too but mm. those things are constantly fueling our brains so at the end of the day we're spent we're exhausted and we're foggy and then we reach for whatever is nearest because our brains see food and they're like just give it to me now i don't care what it is but the other part of our brain that is more you know highly evolved is shaming us for grabbing those chips mm. and contributing to the stress even though the reason we grab them is because we don't understand that we are stressed to our max and that our brain doesn't have any more capacity to think about difficult things and mm. make difficult decisions anymore. It's mm -hmm. also why we're snapping at our loved ones and we're frustrated with our kids and my dog just won't leave me alone. Like mm. those kind of things are all because of this stress overload that we don't necessarily understand because it is complex, mm -hmm. but people can understand complex things when you give them the information, which mm -hmm. I don't think that we've ever really been given. Yeah, I I think that is so true. And I like how you mentioned like the societal expectations. That's something else that we talk about a lot, like on GTB, just around like expectations for body size and for what it means to be healthy and fit and all of that. And so I even think about not only do we not know how to work with our stress, um, but those societal expectations are a lot higher than than they were, you know, mm -hmm. I was going to say in uh, our ancestors' times, you know. Cape times. Yeah, cape <laughs> times, you know, uh, prehistoric times. Even, I mean, even like 10 years ago, I feel like mm -hmm. compared to then it's increased. And then we think about, um, you know, the social unrest that we've seen and all the like social injustices and racial violence and everything. And it's just like everything is just so much more amplified than it used to be. Um, but when we think about, you know, stress management or whatever it is, like working with our stress, what are um, some of the things or like tips or tangible actions that you feel like people can take? Obviously, it, it differs person to person, but what are like some tangible things that people can do? You mentioned the awareness piece, which um, I think is really important. Yeah. And I think um, tangibly understanding that the, the stress, like the burnout related stress that we generally feel is from typically giving all of ourselves away. Mm. It's like, we're putting ourselves on a shelf and then just forgetting we get dusty. And it's like, who was that person forever ago that used to like to crochet every once in a while? <laughs> and is that and, you? <laughs> do you crochet? I, I do now. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I do everything now. I love it. <laughs> but when we give too much of ourselves away, everything else has the control over our stress. And so it's typically not things like when we feel ourselves triggered by our email notification. Email isn't what stresses us out. Our, the email controlling our life is what stresses us out. So small ways that you can exert control where you can check your email on a schedule. Every hour I check my email and I look through and see what's there but I don't let the notification tell me I need to immediately respond to this thing. Um, when, we're, when we're kind of like acting that way, it's like that notification's the tiger. And every time we get a notification, our stress is increasing and we're getting more amped and you're not gonna be able to respond properly in that kind of like headspace anyway. So control in small ways. Um, another small 
small ways you can have control are closing out your day the same way every day, which is a huge one because so many of us have trouble sleeping at night. And it's because we're kind of, especially like with work from home, but even beyond that, we have these like long days and then we go into an evening that is usually somewhat chaotic. And then we go into trying to, you know, you put the kids to bed or you put it, you get everything shut down and then you put yourself in bed and you close your eyes and you're like, okay, now sleep brain, sleep for sleep. And then you start spelling S-L-E-E-P. And then you're like, now I have three hours left of S-L-E. And that's just how it goes. Yes. But when you have a routine that you control where you close down for the evening and it doesn't have to be anything long, like 10 minutes, you shut your computer, maybe get a specific cup of tea. And that's like, we now move into transition into a different part of the day. Um, A really great thing is to like do a 10 minute walk at the end of the day, if you can, and to like take some deep breaths, those kind of things. Closing out and having those moments that are even 10 minute blocks that are purely something you decided to do are huge for stress reduction. Um, And then one of the biggest things I wanted to mention too, when we're talking about like how the negative stress comes from feeling threatened all the time and the positive stress comes from these challenges that we um, kind of want to meet. They've found that a really easy way to flip from being threatened stress into challenge stress is to reflect on your resources. So rather than letting yourself react to this thing that seems too big, give it a minute and start writing down your resources or try to come up with a small action plan that's like one, two, three steps. Because when we get things out of our heads onto some piece of paper, they lose like 99% of their power. But if we keep things like the taxes that we just need to, oh my gosh, and we ruminate and we just let it, when we let it sit in there, we contribute more stress to it than is entirely necessary. And that is continuously draining our energy. Mm. I, um, the, I love all three of those. The second one totally resonates with me. The have a, like a, um, Mm -hmm. like a wind down or whatever. Yeah. Close out the day. That's actually something what year was it? I feel like since the pandemic started, I'm like, is it 2019 <laughs> still? Are we, you know, I think it was 2020 in the fall of 2020. My, I have anxiety and it was so bad for the first time in my life, it was impacting my sleep. And my sleep has always been like very consistent. And that was actually something that I worked on with my therapist was having like a wind down time, like exactly like what you mentioned, the closing out of the day. And even um, I heard on, on a podcast, I think it was maybe like a the 10% happier podcast or something like that. Like even switching the lights, like dimming the lights a little Mm -hmm. bit or whatever it might be, but just like telling your body, Hey, we're like moving into the next part of our day or like whatever it might be. So I freaking love that. And I, I always forget to, I, even now, like as I'm feeling better, I forget to do that. Like I, last night I got home from work at nine 30 and I literally just like brush my teeth, wash my face, got in bed, like in, you know, five minutes. And then I was like, "Ah, can we watch a show or something? Like I'm not falling asleep. So yeah. 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 And then even the, um, yeah, like the, the last point that you mentioned too, all of, all of that is, is so helpful. I'm wondering if you can, like, can you provide an example for that, that the third one that you said, like the kind of writing it out or like three action items, like you mentioned the taxes, like what, Mm -hmm what might those three actions or whatever be like, how might that process look? So, or you can use a different example too. I know I'm trying to think. Taxes aren't, aren't very Taxes popped into my head because it's like my, (laughs) that's my thing. That's right. (laughs) I hope that you've, I hope you worked through that. Yeah. I have worked through it. No. And it, and honestly, it was very much um, having the initial shock of, there being more due than I anticipated. And which um, when we have that initial response, our evolutionary brain is at the forefront. That, that vomit feeling in this, like, and you just, I didn't expect it would be this much. And that actually is the tiger response. It's like, it's the fight or flight. And that's, if we were to continue going with that line of thought, this is horrible. I have not, like, I can't handle this. There's no way that I can 
handle the fact that I have to pay this in taxes and I don't even know where to start. If you continue with that spiral, that's that negative stress response where you're losing more ground, you're feeling out of control. So um, shutting it down, going for a walk, these were my exact things. Like I shut the computer when I saw how much was gonna be on that return and like not return, but yeah. Right, and I, I yeah, the and opposite I went, of the return. Right, <laughs> took some deep breaths, went for a walk um, just outside a little bit played with the dogs a little bit, came back to it afterwards and was able to sit down and write, okay, these are things, routes I can take. We can look at framing the taxes in a different way where we can potentially, I can look at deductions here. I can also start this. I can restart them and take a look. And also I can start, I've started early enough. So I have a couple months now to plan in how much money this is going to be. I can start looking into payment plans for it and see what that would there are resources for figuring this out and it's not going to actually kill me that I have to pay this money, even though in that initial feeling, it did feel like this was the end of the world. Like, how did I think that I could, that I could do this? And so being able to walk through those individual steps with those very stressful situations and access a part of our brain, I'm just going to get a little bit psychology, a little bit brain. Bring it. Love it. Awesome. So when we have that initial stress response, our amygdala, which is our reactive brain, is firing an alarm. And it's saying, this is scary. This is out of control. I am like, I can't handle this. Our prefrontal cortex is the front of our head. It's the, the huge part of our brain, but it's the newer part. And it doesn't get online as quickly as the reactive part does. And so giving yourself space, like a walk or time to breathe, and then also writing things down accesses that thinking part of the brain, which calms your amygdala because those two parts can't be on at the same time. One or the other, right? Which is why when you're flying off the handle, you afterwards might not even remember what you said. You definitely don't remember what happened. You're like, and you usually are kind of like making up, like, I'm pretty sure she said such and such and blah, blah, blah. Otherwise I wouldn't have responded like that. I can't really remember exactly how it went. But when you take a moment and start using real words, and that's why I advocate for writing because it's, in, it's impossible to be spastically, you know, on fire when you're writing something down in actual words. And so that brings you back to a thinking problem solving. And that's when you can start thinking about what resources do I have to tackle this? If that this, helps, that yeah. Sense. This is, that is like fascinating. It is so interesting too, because I think about like the, um, like the pause or the difference between like reaction versus response. I think about it with like mindfulness a lot. Cause I, I, I practice meditation and I, a certified mindfulness facilitator and that, I mean, different things, but like same concept, like mm -hmm. it's pausing before reacting and that reaction becomes a smarter, more skillful response. Like you mm -hmm. can actually respond to it and not make it worse for yourself. So, yeah. and I like that it's like the way that you word it and present it, it's a very, again, tangible thing that we can do. Like when we notice that we are getting stressed out, whatever those signals might be, because obviously it feels different for everyone. So getting in touch with it is like really important. Being able to notice those <laughs> yes, things, yes, yeah. which can be really hard. Um, but once we notice those things, then it can be like our signal to, ooh, okay, I gotta turn on the prefrontal frontal cortex. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. whoa, this is so great. And I, I just love the tangible, tangible actions and like the thinking about what resources do I have available? It feels so much more doable to discuss it that way instead of just like, be more mindful. <laughs> Which, yes. You know? and, and I did, I took a mindfulness course um, last, last year and I respected it. Mm -hmm. um, it didn't resonate as deeply with me because I, so I feel more like awareness is where I sit mm. rather than deep mindfulness. And every yeah. time, you know, and like this class had like 45 minute long um yeah 
and I have bipolar disorder, mm. but there that has a lot in common with ADHD. Yes. And it is like, you know, I can't, I can't mindfulness for 45 minutes. <laughs> I can't mindfulness. <laughs> I can't do that. And so, and like, and there's nothing wrong with that because I can, you know, there's, if I go on a run, my brain can go so like peaceful as long as my body is doing something else, my brain can zen things like that, but I can't lay and I can't lay and mindful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So <laughs> like, <laughs> I love so that. like having these like tangible things that enabled me to, and this is how, how I also work through with my bipolar disorder is being able to rein things in by knowing fully what part of my brain's in control or how my emotional state has been throughout the day. And so all of our emotions take a certain amount of energy from us every interaction takes energy or gives us energy. And so when you're aware of those kind of things, you can start, stop shaming yourself for feeling stressed and exhausted and think, no, I did all these things today. And my brain is just telling me it was enough. And so now I get to go to bed peacefully, have a wind down routine and wake up tomorrow and have a little bit more energy to do other things. Mm. My brain was telling me that it was enough. Yeah. That's, that's a really cool way of framing that. That is such, that's such a good way to look at it. Like instead of everything you've been saying, instead of viewing mm -hmm. stress as this like terrible thing, it's just, mm -hmm. it's just notifying us, notifying us that our brain has, you know, the bucket is full and, yes. um, oh, I love reframing it in such a, not necessarily positive way. Right. Cause it's not like a stress is all positive all the time, like toxic right. positivity thing, right. but like reframing it and thinking about it from a different perspective. And again, it's like taking the shame out of it. Like, oh, I can't believe that I'm feeling this way. No, thank you brain for signaling to mm -hmm. me that it's time to put this away. Oh. Mind blown. I'm mind blown right now. <laughs> I, no. And I love that because that is so much of like what I'm trying to bring people is a sense of partnership rather than these like stress is something that happens to me. It wallops me when I'm not expecting it and it hits me every single time. And because I'm quote unquote, like an anxious person or because I have, like, I can't handle it. And I'm just not as strong as other people are. And that's traditionally how we've framed stress is like, if you feel stressed, I don't know, like what's wrong with you if you're stressed about this, rather than like looking at it as a normal physiologic function, like hunger, like no one hopefully thinks that the longer they don't eat, the less hungry they'll be. Uh, doesn't work that way. I know, like it's, it's I don't not. know, I, I don't go hungry for very long, so I can't speak on it, but no. uh, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> no, and stress is exactly oh. the same. It's our brain communicating to us what's going on. And when we start listening, um, and we actually like, you know, I always say like stress is going to talk, so you may as well give it a seat at the table. Mm. I love like that. It's, it's going to be saying things regardless. And our brains are trying to help us, but mm -hmm. we're blaming them for being lazy or saying that they're, they procrastinate too much, or it's always our brains. There's something wrong with them. And that's mm -hmm. why we can't get things done. And it's, mm. that's not the truth. This is like very, this is very freeing to me as someone who, again, I mentioned like I have anxiety and I've really been trying to yeah, just shift my perspective as, like you mentioned, the whole, I'm an anxious person. I'm just supposed to be this way. Mm -hmm. Live my entire life that freaking way. And I'm learning to like separate myself from the anxiety and, you know, what all of those sort of things. It's kind of working, not really. But mm -hmm. it feels so good to hear you say this. And it's already like I'm, even this week for me has been an oddly stressful week. And I just feel better about it after talking about this. Like I seriously do. I just have, I feel enlightened. Like I have a completely different perspective on, on stress. And like, I view it with a, I'm, I'm starting to, I I'm viewing it as just in a better, a better way, like a better light almost. Um, like I'm not pissed at it. I'm not mad at stress. It's like, okay, you're telling me something. And yeah. I feel like, I don't know if listeners will agree, but like, I, it feels like freeing to me, like, Woohoo! We can do this together. Stress. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, and that's exactly yeah. what it is. Like, and and I think I love that you mention the anxiety component because mm -hmm. most of my clients identify as very anxious, high achieving, perfectionist type people. And although I like having some kind of identifiers where we can like 
have um, perfectionist tendencies or yeah. anxious tendencies. I think that if a diagnosis is not empowering in some way, knowing that information should be empowering and it shouldn't mm -hmm. be defeating. It mm -hmm. shouldn't be, I am now broken because yes. of this thing. Nothing's changed once you get the diagnosis other than the fact that you now have more information mm -hmm. than you yeah. did initially. Yeah, that's really powerful. Yeah, that's, I think that's a, just mental health in general and, mm -hmm. you know, breaking down the stigma of mental health and all of that. Um, yeah, I, I definitely feel like when I originally was, because when I first was diagnosed with anxiety, it was anxiety and depression. And I just remember like getting the depression diagnosis, like that I felt that way. I was just like, I'm screwed. I'm effed. Like mm -hmm. I'm broken. And um, yeah, the anxiety felt a little bit different because I was like, knew it. Like <laughs> since I came out the vagina, I have been, been anxious. <laughs> like, you know, um, but yeah, I think that, that that's just really, that's a really powerful way to just view, I feel like mental health in general, whether it's the stress side of things or whether it's the anxiety or whatever diagnosis is, um, nothing has changed. Mm -mm. It's just, it's just helpful for insurance <laughs> to be categorized. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. And you like, and I think especially like with my bipolar disorder, it's, it's incredibly powerful for me to be able to see things and not and this was difficult to not, um, cause I was diagnosed very young. Mm -hmm. So it was incredibly difficult to feel like I couldn't keep up in certain ways mm. with like energetic levels, or I'd be way too high and everybody else is acting like really normal right now. <laughs> and like, I don't even, I can't do normal mm -hmm. right now, like maybe later, but you know, mm -hmm. so for a long time, it was incredibly difficult to see that I was reacting in ways that was, that were different than everybody else. But then being able to lean into the fact that, especially with the stress coaching I do and with the, how stress is the energy out matters a lot. And we mm -hmm. have to preserve what we can and not mm -hmm. be constantly draining energy everywhere we go. Mm -hmm. And so working with those flows, we all have different flows of energy. Some of us have diagnoses. Some of us don't yet. Some mm -hmm. of us never will, but we all have mental health and our energy is always flowing in different ways. And mm -hmm. so understanding yours individually rather than having like a five step to stress-free life is key. Yes. Which is why I, I like you so much because <laughs> I didn't get that five-step vibe when I first found you online. I was like, okay, I like this person. Um, so yeah, I, I love, I love that, that whole, everything that you've said, it's it's aligning. Um, let's talk about burnout. So you've mentioned it. Um, I've mentioned it. Burnout is everywhere. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. I know you've talked a little bit about like what it is and maybe how it might be different from stress. Um, but, or, or maybe not, but maybe it's like when stress is goes on for so long, but can you talk more about it? Like how, how do we even identify burnout? Because again, right now it's like, are we all just burned out on life? Like, how do we know? Right. And that's an incredibly complicated question. <laughs> because I figured. Is, yeah, because it is different for everybody. Um, traditionally, burnout was initially, I think, um, defined because of the healthcare community and the amount of um, stress that healthcare employees go through that they don't have control over. And that's any number of things where, especially during the pandemic, where you wanted to provide care in a certain way and you cannot provide care that way because of all of the pandemic things. And so that, that contributes in a number of ways because it takes you away from that control. Um, but overall, it's generally and overwhelm, it's, it's taking stress all the way to where you can't handle it anymore, which is at, you know, to everybody else, everybody's level is different, but it's putting your needs consistently to the side, to the point where you no longer have anything for yourself. And so that, that also happens though, when we are constantly taking in news information 
or if we're, you can be burned out on any, like you're describing any topic, you can be burned out at work, but you can also be burned out on um, weight loss, like dieting. You can be burned out on seeing these, like the same pictures of people all the time that you keep trying to achieve. And your brain is on this hamster wheel of like, I can't, how do I get there? I can't control getting there. And so burning out is is hard to describe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds it's like a serious loss of control. It is. It no, it absolutely like. is. And and then because of that, you start having extreme stress reactions, or you go completely numb, which mm-hmm. is something that one of the I think um, diagnostic criteria kind of for burnout is that you're apathetic about your work. Mm-hmm. You don't really care about things anymore. You can't. You you've gone beyond, and you feel so helpless that your brain has gone into like. We, we're not even going to try to fix anything anymore. There's no, there's no point. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So maybe I, I don't feel that way about getting out of bed. <laughs> so that's, that's a lot though. Like that, how often would you say, and obviously I don't know if there's statistics on it or not, but like that, the apathetic part, like how common is that? Is that like regular in people who are burned out or you know, cause I, I think about, you know, what if people are like, well, I'm not apathetic yet, so I must not be burned out. Like, is that an, like a strong indicator or is it maybe like really, really far down the burnout hole? You know what I'm saying? I think, yeah, I think that, um, the apathy is when you have like true burnout and that's when we, when we talk about burnout, it's almost like a lack of feeling because you've burned out everything right. that you could care about is just, mm-hmm. it's gone. And it's incredibly at that point, it's incredibly difficult to tap into joy. It's incredibly difficult. So it's not like an extreme feeling of like, I hate this. It's like almost it's beyond that feeling of I hate this. And it's just kind of um, right, which is again, why it does happen in so many caregiver like caregiving type positions, which is really dangerous because it becomes an apathetic feeling of like, it's hard to still connect, but you can't continuously connect every single time because that will eventually burn you out. Um, So that's when having kind of things that you do control that are yours and prioritizing yourself in small ways becomes incredibly important, which is not something that we necessarily talk about as like burnout prevention. We talk about self-care and and all this, but it can be as easy as slowly. And once you're severely burnout therapy, lots of like a lot of people, but a lot of people are going through significant burnout periods and then trying to rest for long periods of time and then get back to feeling somewhat better. And then they go back into high stress situations. And so once you've burnt out, once you can come back from that, um, that's when really leaning into all the different parts of what stress is and riding those waves and um, advocating for yourself and making sure that you have something that you can control is incredibly important for staving it off in in the long term because especially like in medicine now and in a lot of professions now it's it's incredibly difficult to find anything that is um, theirs or also what they value about their work because their work is being, um, kind of, there are so many obstacles to being able to do a good job. Yeah. So when you, when you mentioned like find something that you can control, do you feel like it's in the workplace for people to like find something control there? Or is it even just like in life in general, like as a preventative measure that you mentioned? Um, I think it's super important in work to identify what is within our control. And that's especially within medicine. Um, negative outcomes in all like across professions in general are not within an individual's control for the most part, unless there's some kind of malpractice situation. So when there are these negative outcomes that are constant in in medicine, I'm just going to use as the example, but um, with so many deaths and with so many negative outcomes and with seeing at this point, medicine is seeing a lot of people who weren't necessarily aren't being treated as regularly as they would have. So things are worse when they're coming in and presenting than they would have initially been. Um, Those kind of things, healthcare workers become very frustrated about and internalize. And so reminding themselves and reminding us all when we're at work, how are we, how can we do our best work 
within the sphere of what we can control without internalizing what we can't control. Can you and reminding that? ourselves. <laughs> that was really <laughs> good. I don't know if I can. Yeah. <laughs> you, may not, you may not be able to. <laughs> I might just put it on a loop. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. It's incredibly important to identify what we can control within our workplace and the, the work that we have an impact on rather than internalizing what we can't control. Yeah. Whoa. That is so powerful. And I, I love that you mentioned healthcare workers and I think about like teachers too right now. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, um, because the internalizing of I didn't do enough or mm -hmm. whatever it might be. Um, I can imagine that again, that contributes so much, like you've mentioned to the burnout and, mm -hmm. um, so being able to gain some control in what I can control and not internalize what I can't control or the negative right. outcomes of what I can't control. <gasps> right. Wow. And that goes, <laughs> and that goes for, um, across every other field where, you know, you might have an angry client who was angry about something that you can't, you could not at this point it's hindsight. And I, I say pretty often hindsight is not control. It's feedback. You can use it for next time productively, but you can't sit in it and dwell on what you didn't know and what you didn't do mm. and create more stress through that. And there are all these places where we are constantly kind of draining off energy and giving and accumulating stress because we're focusing so hard on what we can't control, which is generally if it's in the past or, the, or too far in the future and we're trying to direct it we're aiming outside of our sphere and we have to mm -hmm. redirect. And that once you, and you're constantly redirecting to, I am so overwhelmed because I have too many patients that I can't give care to. And if we follow that path, that thought path down, we're going to end up in a place that is incredibly burnout. Mm -hmm. If we redirect immediately when we start feeling that way, not that that feeling is like not valid, mm -hmm but that we don't follow the thought pattern of all the horrible. And then we immediately direct with as, as appropriately as we can, but I can provide care to this patient by doing this thing. And this mm -hmm. one small thing matters. Mm -hmm. And I think too often we kind of write off doing our best. Oh yeah. I mean, I guess I could just do my best. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And at this point, it's incredibly important that we recognize our best is a really good job. Like mm -hmm. it's, and it matters. Every small gesture matters to other people around us. Mm -hmm. And we're not individually going to save the world. There's all kinds of things that were put on each of us independently where we feel like it's all ours to carry, but it's not. And so when we can redirect to the small actions that we can take to contribute to something good, it becomes the way we experience the facts becomes more growth oriented and less threat oriented. Mm. And stress is about how you experience, the facts are the facts, mm -hmm. but stress is about how you experience those facts. Mm. Mm -hmm. And we can choose any number of them to experience them in ways that are going to drain us and end up with us on the floor in the fetal position. Mm. But there's also ways to come back to what you can control and where you have impact and experience those facts in a way that isn't as painful. Mm -hmm. Such a realistic approach to stress <laughs> like that. That is what I'm picking up. It's not the toxic positivity stress approach. And it's also not the wallow in self pity approach either. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. you take such a realistic, obviously evidence-based, um, tangible approach to stress management or stress control, whatever. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't even know like what, what phrase you use. Um, but it makes so much sense to me. And again, like I, I consider myself someone that's like, you know, I am a health coach. I'm a health educator. We, we talk about stress, but I have never, and I'm not even just saying this, <laughs> I have never <laughs> thought about it in this way before. Like, mm -hmm. 
and maybe I have, but it's never sunk in and felt um, so important to think about it in this way. It's, it feels just so realistic and it's such a perspective shift. And um, I don't, I feel like I'm more equipped. I feel like this was a um, coaching session. <laughs> I feel like I am so much more equipped to work with my stress now than I ever was before. And yeah, I'm really having a mind blown moment <laughs> right now. Like, it's amazing. I, I absolutely love what you do. So I I want you to tell us all how we can work with you <laughs> or all that yes. you offer, where we can find you because yes. yeah, I need to scream this, everything you're saying from like the rooftops. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm on Instagram. I'm at coaching by Maddie and that's M-A-D-I. Um, I talk a lot. I, I have a lot of posts. I am very prolific on. I love so it though. I, yeah. So I, all of this is fully um, what I support on my Instagram. And I also, I find it's really important to provide all of that free value and you can, you can, I call it stress ownership when you're mm. talking management, but you can own your stress from my free content fully on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, but I also work with one-on-one -on -one clients. Uh, you can find that at um, Maddie Snow, M-A-D-I-S-N-O-W.com, um, also through my Instagram. But I have an eight-week program and a workbook that walks you through each facet of stress. And then we have one-hour calls where we discuss what came up for you and how you can become more aware of that area in stress. And by the end of the eight weeks, the goal is to reframe exactly like kind of what you said, but reframe how you think about stress and give you more of a relationship with it and ownership over it than feeling like it's just too overwhelming to even mm. think about. Mm -hmm. So good. One thing that came up as you were talking about that, I'm curious for people who, I mean, like right now, I'm always advocating for, you know, mental health therapy, but I also know that the likelihood of getting any anywhere is ridiculous. And if you do get in somewhere, then you have to worry about like health insurance and all of that. I'm curious, like how, how would you say what you do is different from therapy, if that's possible? Like, like how might someone know if they should try to get into therapy or maybe try out your program or work with you? I don't know if that's something you can answer or not. Sure. Um, I'm like religiously obsessed with my scope. So I, mm. if I do, I do intro calls that are about oh, cool. 20 minutes. Yeah. With potential clients. Um, and I have referred a couple people to therapy instead. Okay. It's cool. generally when the anxiety, when it's anxiety, that's taking over your life versus mm -hmm. stress that you're trying to manage. Okay. That makes sense. And, um, typically, it's usually in our intro call, we can tell, but usually if it's, nice. if it's anxiety, that's completely interrupting your life, mm -hmm. then um, definitely therapy. I provide tools that you can use an awareness that you can use, but I don't provide any therapeutic techniques. Okay, cool. I love the, the intro call that can really help mm -hmm. if people are like on the fence, but interested scheduling that, having a conversation with you, and then knowing that you're going to point them in the right direction, whether that's to work with Absolutely. you or elsewhere. So that's beautiful. Yes. yes. You are amazing. Oh my gosh. This is so much fun. <laughs> oh, I I feel like I literally, I like keep looking at the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's after 30. <laughs> I feel like I could talk with you about this for forever because again, it's just, it, it feels like a weight lifted off my shoulders to hear about stress talked this way. And it, and it like relates back to what you're saying of by telling people, you know, you need to decrease your stress, how that causes more stress for us. I feel like you mm -hmm. just did the reverse of that. <laughs> like yes. you literally, I don't know. So instead of increasing my, uh, you know, mortality rate, you're adding yeah. years to my life. You, you just said yeah, 10 life. years right now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. Um, is there anything else that we didn't hit on that you think would be helpful for people to know? Um, I don't think so. Okay. I think we hit on pretty much everything. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you again, personally, thank you. And also thank you for coming on the podcast to share your expertise. I'm 
so excited to share this with all the listeners. And I know that they're going to appreciate this. Maybe not as much as I do. I just like, I'm very overwhelmed with excitement about this. Um, but you're amazing. I just want to say thank you for the work that you're doing. I, and thank you so much for having me on this form. No, because it's fantastic for people to be able to hear this mm-hmm. and to know that like that you do have a role in your stress that isn't just like, well, I can't get rid of all of the stressful things in my life. Mm -hmm. And so, and thank you for that. Yeah. Hearing a different perspective is so powerful. And one that again is like empowering and realistic and tangible. Like it's not just Mm -hmm. like go breathe deeply and you know, yeah, we need tangible tips, Mm -hmm. tangible things this day and age. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of GTB. If you're enjoying this podcast, feel free to head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe. You can also share this podcast on Instagram and tag me at Give Them the Bird Podcast. I will see you back here next week for another episode, but in the meantime, go give them the bird.